The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Well, our show today is about privacy policy and what's happening on the forefront in the government and all sorts of places on the web. We are going to be speaking with a wonderful attorney who we've had on our show before, Lee Tian, who is a senior staff attorney with the Electronic Frontier Foundation. And he is specializing in free speech and privacy law. Before joining the EFF in 2000, Lee was a sole practitioner specializing in Freedom of Information Act litigation. And he's pu- published many, many articles on children's sexuality and information technology anonymity, surveillance, the First Amendment status of publishing computer software, and state secrets litigation. He is wonderful, and you can find out more about him at KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy, where you see his picture, his bio, but also please go to EFF.org, that's the Electronic Frontier Foundation, .org, and he's coming to us from beautiful San Francisco. Lee, it's wonderful to have you back. Well, it's great to be back, Mari. Well, why don't you tell us what's happening on the privacy front in Congress? Well, you know, it's been uh, it's been a busy couple of years in terms of privacy on the Hill. You know, so you guys may remember that the Wall Street Journal uh, published quite a few articles last year about how uh, ordinary folks, when they browse the web, are being tracked, how they're getting, uh, being sent targeted ads that are based on what they do when they're surfing. So as a result of all of that publicity, privacy's become sort of a hot topic on the Hill. And so we've seen, uh, let's see, there was a Commerce Department report in, uh, that came out in like November or December, there was a Federal Trade Commission staff report on privacy that came out in December. And then this past January uh, and February, we've seen uh, a couple of bills already come out from uh, uh, Representative Jackie Spear, uh, who's from the San Francisco Bay Area. Who we love because she was wonderful when she was here and as a senator. That's right. She did. She, she worked really hard to try to try to do some serious financial privacy work uh, for Californians. Uh, and then uh, Representative uh, Bobby Rush, uh, who uh, has long been a consumer advocate, also uh, introduced a sort of a comprehensive privacy bill. Jackie Spears' bill is, is uh, more of a is focus on a do-not-track mechanism for, uh, for the Internet. 
And then we're expecting uh, to see uh, a bunch of other bills uh, from on the privacy front as well, uh, including from Senator Kerry. Yeah. And what is he looking at doing? And, and right now, as far as we can tell, um, that bill is going to be also be sort of a general uh, privacy bill, um, and it's going to give some power to the FTC to do certain things. But uh, it's all kind of unclear right now. One of the reasons why this Congress is hard to... This Congress is full of activity, but it's also really hard to get a good deed or a read on that activity is because um, when the uh, Republicans took over the House, then you ended up with a divided Congress. The Democrats are still running the Senate, but every that means that everything has to be um, written to cater to getting some kind of Republican vote, uh, because then otherwise it won't pass the House. It also means that all of the uh, House committees that used to be in the control of the Democrats have gone over to the Republicans. And so the same uh, folks who might have had a very good chance with the bill uh, in the last Congress um, are basically sort of on the outside looking in uh, this Congress. So it's, uh, it's just a hard, hard to read. And then I guess the last thing to point out is that we, you know, the Republicans that won in a lot of places were Tea Party Republicans. And so their politics has been a little difficult to uh, uh, to really get straight as well. In some cases, um, we've seen that with the recent vote on the uh, uh, a recent early vote on some Patriot Act reauthorization that um, a number of Republicans uh, voted against the Obama administration on that, and uh, instead of supporting the Patriot Act, which was was sort of surprising since the Republicans usually support the Patriot Act. Um, but then, uh, you know, things reverted to form later. Um, but it is, it is not entirely clear in any given case how, how the uh, Tea Party Republicans will act. And, you know, truthfully, privacy is, is not really a partisan issue, or at least it shouldn't be. You know what I mean? It's something that everybody should value and that they should be worried about and, and protect. But um, so you, you do get that thing where sometimes you've got some very strong Republicans who are also very strong privacy advocates. So it's uh, you're right. It's, it's a little bit hard to read. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's especially interesting when the... Uh, because the uh, I think that the a lot of Republicans that we that, that we at EFF and, and privacy advocates will often work with um, when the issue is say privacy vis-a-vis the government and we're sort of all on the same side there because we're strong believers in civil liberties. Right. Um, on the other hand, when the privacy issue is stemming sort of from the private sector, then it's less likely to garner Republican support because there's going to be this concern about how it it might be bad for business. Right, Um, right. And uh, the the thing is, is that, you know, from from my perspective, uh, this this has become much, this has become sort of a a bad dividing line because the, the truth of the matter is, is that when businesses have information about us, that information very easily uh, goes to the government anyway, because it, often it's voluntarily handed over. Um, it could be just a subpoena or a request. Gee, we'd like to know what these people are doing. 
Or the government buys it like they buy from from LexisNexis and they can Axiom. Buy it from, <laughs> they can buy it from ChoicePoint. Right. They can buy it from Axiom. Right. And they can also get it just by asking right. uh, without even paying for it because right. a lot of businesses are not going to say no um, exactly. when the government comes asking for information, especially if they think that um, you know they're doing something for the public good. And so, we saw that with AT and T, right? That's right. That's exactly that's exactly right. So. So we, so we, you know, we're always trying to, trying to, to uh, explain to people. Look, you know, we understand that your your concern, um, but in this day and age, in in the personal information sort of superhighway, all of the data roads really do end up flowing toward the government, and you can't make that sort of separation between well, this is a government privacy issue, and this is a commercial privacy issue, because it all goes to the same place. Right. We're speaking with Lee Tian, who is a senior staff attorney with the Electronic Frontier Foundation up in San Francisco. Lee, you know, we should probably tell my audience a little bit about what your foundation does. Well, we are, you know, we're, sometimes I think we shouldn't have been, shouldn't have called ourselves a foundation, because um, calling yourself a foundation makes it sound like you're you're in the business of giving other people money. Right, right. Absolutely not the case. <laughs> Which you actually need money, and <laughs> right. I understand that, yeah. Right. But, you, we're, but, we're, but you're uh, a nonprofit, we're yeah. A nonprofit public interest uh, law firm, essentially, that uh, has been around since 1991, I think. Uh, and uh, or maybe it's 1990, I can never remember. And what, what we focus on is uh, people's rights and civil liberties in cyberspace. Uh, and how how your rights, how your freedoms are changed by uh, by advanced technologies, whether it's computer networks uh, or faster, smarter computers, uh, cell phones, that view everywhere, <laughs> cell phones that track you, all those kinds of things. Yeah. As technology keeps getting better and makes our lives a lot more convenient. Um, there are also a lot of uh, costs that come along with it. And, and so there are really three areas that we mainly work on. Privacy uh, is one. Freedom of speech, uh, expression, association is the second one. And the third one is uh, consumer rights to uh, intellectual property, like fair use of copyrighted works and stuff like that. Yeah, really important stuff. And I would think as the as we have more and more smartphones and pretty soon smart refrigerators that collect stuff about us, <laughs> that, um, you know, your job, you're going to need to hire a bunch more attorneys there, probably, huh? We're, we're pretty busy. We're trying <laughs> not, to, not to grow too fast, though. So. Yeah, yeah. You were talking before about the Federal Trade Commission. So, there has been, you know, they've always been charged with privacy as, aside from, you know, dealing with deceptive practices and protecting consumer rights. So what's going on with privacy there? Well, they're really taking um, or trying to take a sort of more aggressive uh, stance on consumer privacy. I mean, they, you know, there's this basic bit of unfair, deceptive trade practice that's sort of the backbone of what the FTC does. Uh, and that gets into privacy when, when a company um, makes a promise of some sort about how it's going to treat your information. And then if it doesn't actually do what it says it's going to do, yeah. then, there's, then it, that's quite likely to be deceptive or misleading. And the FTC also has specific statutory you know, responsibility over certain kinds of uh, 
of, of privacy under specific statutes like the, uh, I think it's the Fair Credit Reporting Act, and uh, they, they do a lot of work in the consumer reporting area. Uh, right now, what we're seeing is a, a lot more interest on the part of the FTC in the general area of online behavioral advertising. Um, they, in the fall of 2009 and sort of through the first half of 2010, the FTC did a series of privacy roundtables that wasn't, com- wasn't purely about the online uh, area. It included all sorts of mobile stuff, too. But it was a fairly high-tech kind of focus, and uh, what they were trying to do was gather a lot of information uh, for a staff report, which ultimately was published this past December, that sort of tried to lay out a a new framework, sort of a new set of principles for how they were going to address uh, privacy issues. And uh, you know, one of the big things they wanted to talk about, for instance, was the idea of the of privacy by design, the idea that you're going to design your products and services or design your, your sort of business enterprises with a lot more privacy sort of in it, the DNA, as opposed to sort of... of after the fact. After the fact. Yeah. Um, that, that's one of the things that they also talked a great deal about, uh, about greater disclosure and transparency, since uh, one of the things that became really clear from the... Uh, uh, from the roundtables and also from the Wall Street Journal series about uh, online privacy is that you know, most of us have absolutely no clue about what's going on when you go online and that you know you see this website and it appears to you as you know the New York Times, Washington Post, LA Times or whatever um, you know you have no idea that it's actually content coming from 70, 80, 100 servers that might be putting all sorts of tracking code on your uh, computer, and uh, then they're able to sort of watch you as you uh, uh, surf the net. And that's sort of a, you know, the bottom line. That's the, the, the issue that they're especially concerned about right now. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about Do Not Track and what's happening. Yeah, Do Not Track. I mean, I think the the whole idea behind Do Not Track is to be is to be pretty self-explanatory, right. kind of like do not call. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. That you know. one worked, though. The do not call pretty much worked. Yeah, yeah. And, and do not track is a little more challenging because the web is a more challenging place. Uh, but the basic idea is still, gonna, is still that, you know, you should, every consumer, every person, should be able to, um, like, check a box in their browser, set a setting that says, don't track me. And that when you uh, go on the web, whether it's to, you know, wherever you're going, that you're essentially sort of broadcasting this don't track me signal and that folks are going to actually sort of respond to it and say, okay, you know, we won't do what we otherwise were doing. Um, so, the, you know, the analogy I use is kind of like, um, you know, when you, you might put a no trespassing sign, you know, or a no solicitor sign on your property, um, and that's not, you don't have a fence there necessarily. You don't necessarily have any physical way of actually stopping someone who wants to go. But you've made it very clear what your intent is. Right. Uh, and, you know, with, you know, in the right conditions, you know, the law is going to be on your side. Um, and you certainly should have a right to, to be able to just tell people, hey, don't, don't, uh, don't track me. So the, so that's, 
you know, at a very elementary level, the idea is how do you design that into a browser to uh, be able to sort of say that. And uh, there's actually a pretty easy technical way to do that, which is, is to put some characters, you know, that essentially say do not track into what's called the, the browser header. Uh, and what happens when you're using your browsers on the web is that there's always some kind of sort of information that's being exchanged that you don't normally know about. You know, the browser headers will say things like, gee, the, main, the language this person's browser in is English, um, and they are using this, you know, a Mozilla browser, or they're using IE, and, mm -hmm. you know, they're running this version of Windows. Kind of, yeah. you know, make and model kind of data. Um, and to and so it's but trivial. that's not personal data. That's you know it's something so personal that you would worry about it. You know they're just saying what what kind of browser they're using. So well, it yeah. actually, as it turns out, yeah, it's actually pretty distinguishing. And mm. people, we did actually we at EFF last year we did sort of a we started being curious. Well, how how distinctive? You know, it's, it's kind of like you know when you walk around and people don't know your name, that if they had a list of all the clothes you were wearing, you know, they know you were wearing this brand, this type of shoe, and those types of socks, and those kinds of jeans. You know, how many people are actually running around wearing that today? Um, and there might not actually be very, very many. Uh, you know, obviously with clothes, we change them all the time. Um, but you know, your browser it's, yeah. and your computer, you don't. You, it's actually a fairly persistent configuration. So mm -hmm. it, there's actually some. Uh, some distinguishing information type of leakage from the browser headers, which is uh, what we were able, to, what one of our staff technologists was able to, sh to show in an uh, experiment we did called Panopticlick. Um, we basically invited a lot of people to come visit our site, uh, visit a particular page, and we wanted to see, um, and we told them about this, um, you know, if we could sort of recognize them on uh, successive visits based on, you know, that kind of information. And we found out that it was actually, uh, you can actually kind of fingerprint people. So that's kind of profiling them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, so we, and we actually know of, we've now, you know, since then we've, we've read about, people, about uh, companies who actually do that kind of browser fingerprint. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, everything, everything. It's kind of insidious. Yeah, it's really pretty <laughs> insidious. I mean, I know when, you know, I use Facebook, but I only use it for business. I don't put up anything personal there. But you know, I, I clicked on a little smiley face because a client I had many years ago that I had helped had written me a note and put a smiley face. So I thought, oh, that's cute. So I wrote him back a note and I put a smiley face. And then my my daughter, <laughs> who worked for me, said, Mom, what are you doing adding that app? You know, what are you, crazy? Yeah. You know, and so I think it's not just tracking that way. It's these little insidious apps that don't tell you that they're going to track you. Oh, yeah. No, the apps are apps are another... You know that's an that's an entire you know day's worth of conversation. <laughs> app, apps are, I mean, but I mean it just. But goes you don't to even show. know you're adding an app. See, that's the part that's bad is yeah. when when it's just so hidden. It's not like you were talking about transparency. There's no transparency on the internet. Oh no, no, it's it's amazing. Yeah. And I mean, and, and you know, you you know, you're Mari Frank. Yeah. You know, you you <laughs> are a really really savvy privacy person. Yeah. And yet. You know, and I got caught. Exactly. <laughs> we we all do. I mean, I've got. I don't personally. I don't use Facebook. Um, I just I just can't deal with with that level of uh, of personalization. But you know, I've got colleagues here at the office. 
you know, we've we've done a lot of research on Facebook and all the privacy issues with me too. We do folks who are who really are experts because they give advice on how you're supposed to to set your settings. And you know, my colleagues will say, yeah, you know, just the other day I noticed something happened. It wasn't supposed to. I sh- I tweaked configured my settings specifically to prevent this from happening. Yes, yes. And you know, I, and it didn't, and I have to figure out why. But I mean, it it turns it's really. So the big point here is that it's an arms race, and we as ordinary consumers, uh, and even the extraordinary consumers like you or, or my colleague, you know, we're, we're going to lose. Yes. We can't win that arms race. And one of the reasons why we like this notion of a do-not-track mechanism as saying, don't track me, is it doesn't try to be a tech doesn't try to play the arms race. It tries to change the game. Yes. Instead of deleting cookies and then finding out that, oh, someone's using Flash to put your cookies back, or deleting all of your Flash cookies and then discovering that they're using, you know, a browser fingerprinting attack, or, some, or you know, getting... You can't. We can't win that sort no, of fight. No, we can't, and we can't keep opting out, or we can't keep. You know, I do those privacy settings on on Facebook and all these other places, but you know what? We can't keep up with it. So I think you're right. It, it, we should not have to opt out of these things. Just make us opt in if we want to be tracked. <laughs> well, you know, the fun, the funny thing is, is that the the do not track mechanism is essentially an opt out in the sense that yes, you, because by default, right, you're the way the internet works, the information is being collected when you, the moment you talk to another server, you know, it's pulling that information is being, is, is going along with it. So you have to accept kind of from a technical perspective that the information is flowing. But what, so what we do or the idea that we are been talking about is that, well, with that flow comes this expression of a privacy preference. And the bottom line question is, if we have a way where every consumer can easily communicate their preference, um, and they're doing so in this deliberate, intentional kind of way, um, and now we know because it's a standard, relatively standard mechanism that everyone gets it, knows what it means now. Okay, so we've, we've, the question is, so what, do, what, what are you guys going to do? And that and we're going to do. Yep. And we're going to have to see what happens. We're going to have to have you back soon. Believe it or not, the time just flew as usually. You are wonderful. And we will send everybody to look at EFF.org, the Electronic Frontier Foundation. We've been talking with Lee Tian, who is the senior staff attorney. He's wonderful. Thank you so much, Lee. We will have you back again very soon. Thanks a lot. Okay. You take care. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. and stay private. Visit our website at KUCI.org. Thank you. Stay private. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.